If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. title of my message today is Transformed by the Spirit. Transformed by the Spirit. A family from a remote area was making their first visit to a big city. They came to a grand hotel and were amazed by how huge and majestic it was. While the mother was waiting in the car, the father and son registered at the front desk. On leaving the desk, they saw something they had never seen before. It was an elevator. And they just stared at it, unable to figure out what it was for. Suddenly, an elderly lady hobbled toward the elevator. The door opened, uh, or the door opened and she went inside. The door closed. And a few moments later, the door reopened and out came this young, beautiful woman. The father couldn't stop staring, first at the woman, then at the elevator. Then, without turning his head, he nudged his son and said, Son, go get your mother. Well, that is one type of transformation, maybe. But I believe the greatest force for transformation in the life of the believer is the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left this earth, he said, I don't leave you alone. Amen? I don't leave you comfortless, but I am sending the Holy Spirit who will be with you, who will be in you. Uh, specifically, he said in Acts 1.8, and we have this scripture for you. I want to base my, we're going to look at a lot of scripture today, but I want to base my remarks off Acts 1.8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in all, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this, of course, uh, absolutely came to pass and it was illustrated in the lives of the disciples. And today I want to use their experience and particularly the experience of Peter to illustrate the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. In doing so, I want to share with you three aspects of being transformed by the Spirit. And as I said a moment ago, Let's just open up our hearts to the Spirit. Can I tell you that anything God wants to do in our lives, anything God wants to send to us is good? Can we accept that? We serve a good God. And many times what holds us back from receiving what uh, God has for us is our own uh, fear, our own misunderstanding, our own reticence to let go and release control. But we can let go today. We can trust God. He has something good for us. Amen? Three aspects of being transformed by the Spirit. The first is we need to recognize the need 
of being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And the need is to receive power for our weakness. We need to receive power for our weakness. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. Say that with me, power. Though Peter had walked with Jesus, his life before he experienced the transforming power of the Holy Spirit was a picture of weakness. I want to share a scripture with you from Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75. Remember, Jesus had been arrested. And, and the disciples scattered. And this is what took place uh, at that moment. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is the definition of weakness definition of fear, the definition of failure. And you see, uh, we tend to forget sometimes that we are human. We are flesh and bone. We are prone to failure. We are prone to weakness. We are prone to fear. Jesus had been arrested. Peter was fearful for his life, as were the other disciples. He denied knowing Jesus in fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy about him. You see, Jesus had given the disciples authority. Remember that? He said, I give you authority to go out and to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And they had a, a, a measure of success. But there's a difference between authority having authority, and having the power to carry out that authority. You see? I have a story that illustrates that. Uh, you see, because all believers have the authority of Christ to do great things, but do we have the power? A government official was taking geological readings for the Department of the Interior. He approached one farmer and said, I've been authorized by the government to go into your pasture and take some readings. Do you mind if I do that? The farmer said, you can't go out in my pasture. The government man got a little perturbed, and he brought out a piece of paper signed by the Secretary of the Interior that gave him the authority to take his readings anywhere he chose. And so he showed it to the farmer and said, there, see, I have the authority to go into your pasture. So as he started climbing over the fence, the farmer said, I'll tell you again, you better not go into my pasture. The government man ignored him and arrived in the middle of the pasture and was setting up his equipment when the ground began to shake. He looked up and he saw a mean old bull running toward him with his head lowered. 
The government man forgot about his equipment, started running toward the fence as fast as he could, and he cried out to the farmer. He said, help me. The farmer said, show him your papers. <laughs> you see, he had authority, but he didn't have power. But Jesus has given you and me both authority in his name and the power to carry out that authority. And that power comes through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. Hallelujah. Church, in case you haven't noticed, we live in an increasingly hostile uh, society, hostile uh, to the word of God and to the ways of God. Uh, there are people in the Western world, in our culture, being arrested for quoting the truth of Scripture. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. There are people who are, are, are paying a price, not in the third world, but in the first world, in this country, in North America, they are paying a penalty and a price for standing up for Almighty God. And let me tell you, the, I, I've, I've preached this before and I've emphasized this before, but it is far more true today than it was when I preached it before. This world will grow increasingly hostile to the things of God, to the values of God, to the truth of Scripture. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. How will we have the power? How will we have the boldness to stand up in a hostile world when it very may, uh, likely may cost us something? So Pastor Tim, not, not in America. I mean, that's, you know, third world people are being arrested for their beliefs and losing their jobs. Let me tell you, it's starting in this world. How will we have the boldness and the power to stand up for truth and, and for the values of the word of God? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You will receive power. Church, everyone has the Holy Spirit within him or her when we receive Christ. The Word of God says it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us to Christ. Thank God for that experience. There's, there's no more important experience uh, in the world. But Jesus said to his disciples before he left, there's one thing you lack. You need the power of my Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit baptism, as we call it, is a separate experience that God has for us in which he wants to endue us with power, with boldness, to stand for the truth of God's word and to live a Christian life. Can we be honest? I don't need a show of hands, but I wonder how many of us feel weak at times. We feel the world pressing in. I feel it. I don't have the strength within me. I don't have the, the boldness within me naturally. I need a supernatural power. We need the transforming work of the Holy Spirit to receive power for our weakness. What's the second aspect of being transformed by the Spirit? It's the actual experience of being transformed by the Holy Spirit, what we call spirit baptism. 
A baptism is an immersion. We talk about water baptism after we come to Christ when we are immersed in water. Spirit baptism is when Jesus immerses us in the Holy Spirit and we are filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Again, our scripture in Acts 1-8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There is an experience we call the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit or spirit baptism where the Lord fills us to overflowing. Yes, we have the spirit at salvation, but he wants to fill us to overflowing. You ever pour liquid in a glass and, and not pay attention for a minute and it overflows? That's what, that's, that's what God wants to happen with us. He wants his spirit to overflow out of our lives. Great scripture in Acts chapter 2, the first four verses. Uh, it, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This was the outpouring of the Spirit. This was the birth of the church when God poured out His Spirit uh, with the, the power that came with it upon His disciples. He had charged them uh, to go and change the world. He had given them their mission and now He was pouring out His Spirit to give them the power to do it. Now the Scripture says that they were waiting on the Lord and a sound like a wind. A wind is a metaphor for the Spirit. As a matter of fact, in the original Hebrew language, uh, wind and spirit are the, are the same, same original word. And so the spirit came, and, uh, the wind came and blew through that place. And, and it's, uh, uh, tongues of fire fell down and separated and seemed to rest on them. Now those phenomena haven't been repeated. But they all began to speak in other tongues, unlearned languages that they hadn't learned. And, and uh, that phenomenon was repeated, and we believe it's repeated to this day. There are five instances in the book of Acts where it says that individuals were baptized in the Holy Spirit. In three of those in instances, the Word of God specifically says uh, that the onlookers knew they were baptized in the Holy Spirit because they heard them speak in other tongues. And the other two instances, it is implied that there was some outward... Um, a phenomenon, some outward happening by which the observers could know uh, that people had been filled with the Holy Spirit. We call the, speaking in other tongues the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and, and I, I want to clear up some, um, some misunderstandings about uh, 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 the Holy Spirit baptism. It, you don't enter into a trance. Okay, you don't lose consciousness. You are in your right mind. But the Holy Spirit, as we yield to him, as we have a desire for him, he begins to well up within us. And as we give vent, as we continue to speak, he begins to speak through us with a heavenly language. Hallelujah. And it's a powerful experience. Listen to what Peter said on the day of Pentecost later on in Acts chapter 2. He said, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. 
This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, that's water baptism, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. They were changed when the Spirit of God filled them to overflowing. A great illustration of this is the life of evangelist D.L. Moody. How many have ever heard of D.L. Moody? He was uh, born in the 19th century, born into poverty, very little formal education, he was led to God by, uh, by uh, a Sunday school teacher. He was at first turned down for church membership by the congregational church because he had insufficient Bible knowledge. After being successful in business due to hard work and determination, he left his business to go into ministry. God used him to win souls, but in 1873 he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and his ministry was different. He said the sermons were not different, but I did, I did not present any new truths, and yet hundreds were converted. In a two-year ministry tour in Europe, shortly after his baptism, it is estimated that he ministered to two and a half million people. His ministry impacted the church in many unseen ways. He deeply influenced F.B. Meyer uh, and uh, J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman helped the ministry of Billy Sunday, who had a profound impact on Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham, in turn, holding a revival in North Carolina, led a young man named Billy Graham to Christ. You see the flow? Because D.L. Moody submitted to the Holy Spirit. He had this, we have this quote for you, he had this to say about the power of the Holy Spirit in winning the lost to Christ. He said, um, well, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me... Uh, let me, I, 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 actually, I actually skipped ahead of myself. I, I made a mistake there. But uh, the point I want to say, I'm going to get back to that in a minute. I'm going to get back to that quote. But the point I want to make is this, that God has an experience for every one of us. Holy Spirit baptism. And uh, some people say, well, you know, I've, I've sought the Lord for baptism and it, it, I didn't conclude it was for me. The Word of God says otherwise, it's for you. I want to say to you, if you've sought this gift you haven't received, don't stop. Just continue to yield to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk in a moment about how to uh, receive it. What's the third aspect of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit? It's being transformed by the Holy Spirit. It provides effectiveness in our witness in life. In Acts 1.8, uh, 
the Lord said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. It's power for sharing the gospel. You ever go to share the gospel with someone you just don't have the words? I know I have. But the Holy Spirit will, and that's the purpose, that's the main purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, to make us effective in our witness. I just read Peter talking about uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Notice the transformation from one who said, I don't even know the man, from one who denied even knowing Jesus, to boldly standing up in public and proclaiming who Jesus was. What was the difference in Peter's life? It, the, the, the change is dramatic. What was the difference? It was the power of the Holy Spirit. I've already mentioned D.L. Moody. Listen to what he had to say. He said, I think it is clearly taught in Scripture that every believer has the Holy Ghost dwelling in him. Uh, though Christian men and women have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, yet he is not dwelling within them in power. In other words, God has a great many sons and daughters without power. The disciples of Jesus were all filled with the Spirit and the Word was published and when the Spirit of God comes down upon the church and we are anointed, the Word will be published in the streets, in the lanes, and in the alleys. There will not be a dark cellar, nor a dark attic, nor a home where the gospel will not be carried by some loving heart if the Spirit comes upon God's people in demonstration and in power. And he knew what he was talking about because, as I said, he lived it. I want to share one more quote with you from Tim Enlow. How many were here a few years ago for our Holy Spirit conference with Tim Enlow? Just used powerfully in leading people into this experience. Uh, we have his quote for you. Listen to what he said. He said, biblically, I want you to catch this. Biblically, tongues is a prophetic confirmation of a prophetic anointing to be a prophetic witness. That's why Peter explained the event as the fulfillment of Joel's oracle where one day everyone could be a prophet. Suddenly, speaking in tongues takes on a vital functional role for the believer who wants to be a prophetic witness. Why do we need spirit baptism? It's about God affecting what we say, plain and simple. We need spirit baptism, not primarily so we can speak in tongues. We need it so we can speak to lost people. And we see that in the book of Acts. Yes, they spoke in tongues. Yes, there's value in speaking in tongues. But the primary value was that God made them bold and enabled them to have an effective witness. And thousands came to Christ because they were flowing in the power of the Spirit of God. Tim Enlow has also said that in his personal experience, listen to this, uh, the day after receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit at the age of 12, the day after he led someone to the Lord in a 7-Eleven. Can you imagine? A 12-year-old in 7-Eleven leading someone to the Lord. Then he says the next day he prayed for someone with a broken bone and they were immediately healed. 12 years old. I guarantee you he didn't have the power within him to do it. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, I, I, I'm sharing this with you. I want to whet our appetites. We set our sights so low for our Christian life. Don't you want to be used like that? I want to be used like that. I want to be full of the Spirit. 
I, I, I want to be able to touch people, whether it's in a 7-Eleven or a gas station or a restaurant or wherever it might be, in a parking lot. I want to be used of God. I want to be so full of the Spirit that, that, that it will touch people's lives, that God will give me the word to say that they will come to Jesus. God began to use Tim to see people healed and won to Christ. And he would go home afterward and try to write down as much as he could remember. He said, this is good stuff, and I know it didn't come from me. <laughs> so again, the point of speaking in tongues is not to speak in tongues. It's to be filled with power to be able to speak to lost people. Spirit baptism also enables our spirits to communicate with God beyond the limitations of our understanding. And it's the gateway to the power gifts, such as prophecy, word of knowledge, etc. But the primary purpose is to give us the Spirit's power to speak to lost people. Church, we need the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need uh, power for our weakness. We, uh, we need God's power for our weakness Secondly, in summing up the experience of being transformed by the Holy Spirit, spirit baptism, God has offered it to us. It's a gift. You don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven, but it sure helps here on earth. Hallelujah. What's the result of being transformed by the Holy Spirit? Effectiveness in our witness in our life. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has for me. I'm not satisfied with 50% or 75% or 99%. Hallelujah. I want 100%. I'm going to talk for a few moments about how to receive this gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. First thing you need to do is to draw near to Jesus. You can't be in a hurry when you're seeking something from God. Okay? I guarantee you that there'll be, there'll be space at your favorite restaurant whenever you get there. Don't need to be in a hurry. But you draw near to Jesus. You enter and just put, you, sh you, shut, you shut other things out. We don't do enough of that, do we? Shutting other things out. Draw near to Jesus. And as we begin to seek him and we ask him to fill us, if you've not experienced this experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. The Holy Spirit begins to come upon you as you seek Him, as you yield to Him. And then, and then you, you yield your voice to the Spirit's prompting. As you're seeking this gift, as you're seeking Him and you're in His presence, you will feel a welling up within you. That's the Spirit of God welling up within you. And, 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 and again... Some people think, well, I'm, I'm going to enter into a trance. I'm going to enter into an ecstasy. I'm going to be out of mind and out of consciousness. No, you're perfectly conscious. But you feel something welling up within you. That's the Spirit of God. Another thing people do is they, they become silent. But we need to, we need to speak. As the Spirit prompts us, we need to speak. And, and, and as we yield to the Holy Spirit... And as he fills us, there will come forth a language we haven't learned. It'll, it'll sound like babbling to begin. It'll sound like foolishness. And as I said, you're not unconscious. 
your mind will say, what's that? There was, a, there was a, one of the leaders in my church told about his experience when he was a young man. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He said, this babbling began to come out of my mouth, and I put my hand over my mouth. I said, that's baby talk. There wasn't baby talk. It, it, it was the beginning of a prayer language. And it, and it, and it began to... And so, so draw near to Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes on you secondly, and then yield your voice to the Spirit's prompting. You, you just begin to speak as the Spirit prompts you, and, and you speak forth in a language you haven't learned. It's not spooky. It's not creepy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's God, the Holy Spirit, moving on us. And it, God has it for every believer. We need it. It's a vital experience, and it will transform our life and witness.